Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Marvel Cinematic University, the show where we mostly talk about stuff in the MCU. But because there's only so much MCU stuff on the calendar and there's a lot of days in the year, sometimes we talk about other stuff. And specifically, I think we like to talk, at least of late, about things we want to highlight that are not maybe the biggest things in the world. Like, I personally feel like the podcast we did about everything everywhere all at once back last May was responsible for its success. I, I think we could take credit for that. It, it, yeah, I, I I think uh, it raised the awareness, and I mean, arguably, it created the clean sweep. I I, I think I that's listened pretty back fair. to it. Yeah, and I, me and Michael Springer were talking about how maybe we could push Michelle Yeoh to get a nomination. That was, part of it. that was what we were saying. We were saying we can. Springthorpe did drop the full formula yeah. of how to get to that point, mm. and I mean, he didn't mention it, which was like a real sign of humility. But the first step was uh, an episode on MCU. Exactly. University. And then everything and, that follows afterwards. And so yeah. what this episode will lead to, who knows? But I am your host, Jay Christie. <laughs> uh, Anthony Canton III, my co-host. He's not back on paternity leave. He just has two small children. And sometimes we do a movie that's not <laughs> the MCU. father. Yeah. It's just, you know, hard. It's hard to be like, hey, AC, do you mind seeing this movie that's not in every single theater? Uh, it's a little difficult, but uh, he will catch it. But I have a wonderful guest lineup to talk about. You heard one of them. You know him as the former co-host of the show, friend of the show always. People will be like, did you guys have a falling out with Jerome? And the answer is yes, we're in a blood feud. But um, he texted me and Anthony. Uh, you guys want to talk about this movie? And you know what I'm talking about because it's in the title. Um, Jerome Chang. Jerome, how are you? I'm doing well. I, I was... You know, um, obviously the rivalry's there. I, I mean, like aside from this episode and the next whatever amount of recording time, like blood feed back on. But like, we had to drop it for a movie like this. Exactly. Like, I, I really like it. Really brought everything together. Um, I mean, the title's in there. This is our moment to be a polite society with each other. Exactly. And so, <laughs> when Jerome said you guys should talk about polite society, I had not seen it yet at the time, but I was planning on seeing it. Um, because I, I literally just walked out of the theater. Yeah. I was like, guys, did you see this yet? We gotta, you gotta watch it. Because and if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about it. As I don't shut up about these days, I have Regal Unlimited and I live a five minute walk from a theater. And so I'm going three <laughs> times a week. And so I, if it's a movie, I'll probably see it. And I, then I was thinking about who I saw that's a friend of the show who was tweeting about it and who was very passionate about it. And I'm like, oh, it's been a long time since you've had her on. You know her as... I would say the most iconic Spider-Man young adult fiction author in the country, and if not the whole country, at least the greater Atlanta area, Preeti Chibber. How are you, Preeti? Hi. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that, um, I think Preeti, I think you saw this movie first, because I, when I was looking up your tweets, they came pretty early. And so just to let everyone know, because this movie is obviously not as big of a deal as no one's turning tuning into our pod and does not know what Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is. But Polite Society is a <laughs> uh, new action comedy, fan, like a lot of different genres film from uh, British Pakistani writer-director Nina Manzoor um, that is, you know, a fun comedy action movie thing about uh, Pakistani girls living in... Uh, in London that takes some turns and just a ride of a time. Um, I hope I did justice with that explanation. Preeti. How would you describe it? If you had to pitch someone, uh, I'm going to see it. Uh, it's a martial arts comedy featuring two 
Pakistani English sisters who are both passionate about what they do. And then one gets pulled into uh, this marriage that is about to happen. And her little sister is like, this, there's something else going on. This can't be my sister <laughs> who's giving up her dream of the artists to be a wife. Uh, and so it's got everything. I mean, that's what I loved about this movie. It has, it's very Bollywood in that it has comedy, tragedy, excitement, drama, la- like a- action, like all of it. Yeah, and Jerome, uh, what made you, because, um, you know, uh, Preeti, I, I think that, you know, this is an area you've expressed interest in. We had you on, we fir- I first became familiar with you when we had you on for Miss Marvel, talking about topics like this. And I had, like, seen some ads for it, and I actually, lit- my neighborhood has a pretty sizable South Asian population, so they have, uh, at my local multiplex, they have a lot of, um, honestly, just Indian and Pakistani Bollywood movies generally, but they definitely were, there was a big standee for this, which I was kind of surprised for, given that I didn't see any ads for it anywhere else, which, I mean, that's what's great about living in New York. Uh, but Jerome, what what uh, got you in the theater? What got you excited for it? And uh, what got you to see it before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? <laughs> <laughs> well, it came out before and it's been true, out for a while. True, so true, if true, you're not true, on true. it, that's on you. Sorry. But Sorry. Uh, no, no, I, I mean, ahead of that, uh, it was honestly my girlfriend. Um, she mm. was like, there's this movie I really want to be seeing. Uh, it's called Polite Society. And I said, cool, I've never heard of it. And then um, she she's like, honestly, I saw just a little bit about it. I didn't even see the trailer. But like from the bits that I got, I just feel like this is a movie for me. And I was like, mm. you know what? That's good enough reason for me to get on board. I did end up catching like, I think like half of a TikTok mm-hmm. and they were talking about like, if you want a movie that has like, you know, has a lot of representation, it has amazing action. It's got a little bit of a Scott Pilgrim vibe to it too. Mm-hmm. It's got like all these different parts. Then like, let me tell you about it. And I was like, I stopped the TikTok right away. I was like, on board. I actually mm-hmm. don't want to know anything about it going in. And just like watch the movie because that's actually like one of those things. I mean, we're on a Marvel pod here. Um, it is so nice to watch a thing that you know nothing about. Yes, <laughs> you don't know source material. You yeah. don't know. Uh, you, you don't know. A, like for me, at least, uh, like I did not know outside of um, Ritoria, who I remember from um, uh, watching Umbrella, Umbrella Academy. Academy, like. <laughs> Yeah, I I just I didn't uh like I I didn't recognize a lot of actors. Uh, I didn't know a lot going in. In fact, now like in my preparation for the pod for like the last hour, mm-hmm. I've been catching up by starting to watch uh We Are Lady Parts, which is also incredible too. But um no, all of it together, like I didn't really know going in, and then I was like, you know what, this looks really good. Uh, I want to check it out. And then I walked down. I was like, it was really, really good. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited to talk about it now. Yeah. And I think the thing for me, I like, you know, Jerome and I, we got, we've, we've had plenty of conversations over the years about trailers. And at this point, I basically only sure. watch, I only watch trailers if I'm talking about them for this podcast. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's a movie I know I want, I'm going to see. And once again, when you're on the Regal Unlimited life, that is a wide range of things. And so, like, I, had like I, said, I saw the standees for it, and so I looked mm-hmm. it up because um, I was interested in it. Because I was curious, honestly, I was curious, like, oh, is this like a you know big Bollywood movie, or is this just because I first glance like didn't know if it was a Bollywood movie or if it was a movie about uh you know 
South Asian people in either America or Britain. I saw there was a British movie about uh, Pakistani girls. And I saw, I think, like an ad for it, like uh, in the background of something where I just saw like kind of action. And I'm like, oh, I get what this is doing. I can kind of, it's the vibe you can kind of tell is like, this is a, a Scott Pilgrim vibe, I think is a good way of putting it. Like, a way of stylistically, using... there are definitely yes. parts. Yes, yeah. and both both stylistically, and I think the Scott obviously didn't invent this, but a way of using heightened action to demonstrate the wide range of emotions that being a teenager or like a young person mm-hmm. can engender. That like the heightenedness of it, it is it, a lot of the stuff where they have like action framing or action edits is just basic stuff of being a teenager. Um, and yeah, I th- and, I, and I thought the, the most valuable thing in the movie to me was um, I thought the sibling relationship of it was what really um, made it special. Because even though at the end of it, they don't end up letting go necessarily, it is in a lot of ways a movie about what it is like to have to let go of a sibling when they, you know, go out on their own and uh, find someone to be with and and how wrong that is, and you should never let it happen. Yes, as someone <laughs> as someone who's very close with his brothers, uh, and you know, it's it's a thing. You know, it's a thing that y- you think about, and it's uh, it's, and it's and so. Pre, I I want to have your perspective on it, and because I and I don't want to just be like give your perspective as a South Asian person on it, because that's but also like I do want to have your perspective on it as that because I think that Jerome and I are both seeing it as we're interested in the way that the story in a world we don't know is both teaching us about that world and telling us an interesting story. But how was it to see um, a world you were more familiar with characters you can identify with in kind of, you know, a big, not even big, but like just an exciting movies in multiplexes uh, around the whole country. Uh, you know, I watched this movie. I saw, I watched a screener. So my mm. whole family sat down and we watched this movie at home. Hell yeah. And it was awesome. Like there's so many, <laughs> moments that are so recognizable mm-hmm. and and i mean on like multiple levels like cultural of course representation of course there's one moment that i am like obsessed with it is one of my favorite things i've ever seen in my life and are, are we spoiler are we like yes uh i'll say oh, yeah. let's well, do spoilers yeah. now i will say if you listen to this part honestly try to see it if it might i it probably, I mean, it might not be at your multiplex if you're not in a major city, but rent it on VOD when you can to support it. Um, I like to, I like to recommend for any of our listeners as penance for spending as much time thinking about major franchises as we do, support smaller things mm-hmm. because the film industry would be really bad if all we watched was Marvel movies. Anyway, continue to spoil it. So, sp- spoiler warning: uh, the moment at the end when she does the dance at the at the mm-hmm. wedding. Mm-hmm. This now, mm-hmm. when I watched the trailer, she's in this green outfit, and what sold me on it is when she does that flip, and her gummies goes like all in a loop, and she's like in the middle of an action sequence in this beautiful South Asian, like Pakistani clothing. She's wearing green. She has like there's a lot of gold, and I was like, man, that really looks like this, like what Madhuri Dixit is wearing in this movie Devdas that came out in 2002, like iconic in Indian cinema. Mm-hmm. And then she, in this movie, the literally she's sitting there posed and everyone in my family went, oh my God, <laughs> what's, is it going to happen? And then she proceeds to do the dance that Madhuri Dixit does in Devdas for this song called Maridala and recontextualizes the song to fit within the context of this movie while still 
doing the dance moves. Like when I say iconic, I mean, it's like came out 20 years ago and I can sing it. I can tell you what the dance moves looks like. I've seen it 8 billion times. Mm-hmm. It is, I've never seen a Western film pull a cultural context piece from South Asian cinema and totally use it in this new way like this movie did. It's mm-hmm. It shows like what having a filmmaker who understands all those cultural cues can mm-hmm. cr- use and create something so dynamic and new out of it. It was the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen on screen. Mm-hmm. Like that is the best way I can describe of like what it felt like watching this movie. Mm-hmm. It took that sort of hyphenate piece of who you are and mm-hmm. created an entire artistic like movement around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that knowing that makes that all the better. Um, it honestly, when I was watching it, I'm like, this is just, a great dance number and why can't uh western movies have dance numbers in them like on i think that that's like a thing that we just need to work on like i know it might not always be you know make a lot of sense but it'd be a lot better but i, I think i really enjoyed about it and i think this is a thing that i when we had you on for miss marvel was very complimentary about and i think it's a thing you see when you have creators from the backgrounds that they're creating about is that like there's a lot of just the um, clothing and tradition of of the culture that you know is not one I grew up in. That is, but it's not a story about right traditional culture values versus new. Like the, these characters have are seamlessly living as you know they they are living this their lives where there are the, some things that are very traditional and some things that are not. And there's that's not the conflict of the movie. The movie is about right. these people who happen to have this cultural identity, and like that's why I really loved the way that there was a lot of conflict with the parents, but the conflict was never the cheesy stereotypical, you know, stereotype of anyone in the Asian continent parents. Like mm-hmm. that's a whole thing is if there's a parent that's Indian, Japanese, Chinese, the stereotype in when white people are writing is that they care, are exacting, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas I love the relationship that with the parents. Um, and I thought that like the ways that they had some of the traditional stuff with the clothing and the way that the wedding was, seemed like it would that's like it was just interesting to watch and it wasn't the place that the culture wasn't intention and that i always enjoy because it's i feel like that's the way most people live you know yeah i think one thing on top of that oh oh no no, uh um one thing on top of that too uh just because like jake you had been you just like mentioned it uh like not being exactly about culture or at least like the generations across it like i well, I've appreciated it a ton in a lot of recent movies that have come out that have like presented a lot of representation. I felt it it was happening so often that I was afraid it was becoming its own trope. It felt like if you had to have a movie that had representation, it needed to be about generational trauma. Yes. And this did not have any of that. <laughs> like the parents just love their kids and vice versa. And they have um a an acute awareness of the things that yeah sometimes they are still beholden to within their culture because of the generational um institutions in there but also i don't know it's just like one of those things where they relate with one another they actually see a lot of things on the same page they're not victims i guess of Mm -hmm. their past and just to be able to see that was like great like i think um 
even beyond the cultural parts, like I think it's just so nice to see like my favorite scenes or one of my favorite was early in on where it just cut to the sisters just like going nuts at home in the mm-hmm. kind of way that like is like not something that you would normally see um, or it'd be more stylized or more choreographed, but it felt like just something that normally would never be filmed or put or captured because it's just two siblings at home going nuts and dancing and doing all sorts of things and like like just being able to express the very obvious connection and love between them and I say this like as an only child who doesn't know that experience but did ask my girlfriend after I'm like is that you and your sister she's like yeah it's very much that like I I think beyond like people who are understanding things from a cultural perspective it was like pretty clear it was also someone who really understood or full-on experience like having a sibling um being a woman or a young woman like in that uh situation like that those kind of things were pretty apparent that like the voice was so authentic and then on top of it yeah again back to the original thing like it's just i was so glad to see a movie that was not about generational trauma <laughs> no it, yeah it's about a lot of stuff but like <laughs> it's not and i th- and i think that the thing too i enjoyed about it is it was both a interesting look at uh in a Pakistani culture, but also I think there's a lot of ways that this movie is very British um, in a mm. way that I really enjoy because it's like, in, because, and this is something like such an obvious thing to say, but it's true, like, people who of Pakistani descent who live in Britain have a significantly different life experience than people of Pakistani descent who live in America. And so, like, mm-hmm. I think that uh-huh. the way that um, that all was handled, especially with the school stuff, that, like, it's... Um, in the way that her, she interacts with her friends, that there kind of just is this um, understanding with all the characters that it, it is like a non, it's a non plot point insofar as like it's not a, it's not a conflict, even though it does, there's obviously parts of it that, you know, with some of the stuff they talk about with the courtship and, you know, the man that the sister ends up getting engaged to, there obviously are things that they talk about the way that that's different in their culture, but it's not a like, like I said, I, I was just, when I read the like log line of it about like a guy, uh, a sister trying to prevent her sister from getting married, I'm like, is this going to be one of those things where like it's about the differences, like someone not wanting to be in an arranged marriage in a Western country, and like that's the thing that obviously is a real issue, but like that's yeah. the thing I feel like we've seen before. Right. I'm pretty you can attest this. Like it's a very you know classic thing, and the fact that it's not that, and it's just, and I think we've been talking too much about what this like is, and the biggest thing about this movie is just really funny. Like I think that that's the thing that I want people to know. Yeah, it's really funny. It's so funny. <laughs> One movie that I come back to when I'm comparing this movie to something is Kung Fu Hustle because there's, it's so funny and there's such this like thread of absurdist action, but also so much heart. Like I think that's mm-hmm. what Kung Fu Hustle does really well and what what Stephen Town General does really well, including with Shell it's, it's and Soccer. Thing. <laughs> it's kind yes. of his yes. thing. It's kind of his thing. Please let us have that <laughs> mythical Stephen Chow movie that's been in, I feel like, been announced like every three years on a schedule. They're like, oh yeah. Oh my it's gosh. Um, but I compare it to Kung Fu Hustle because it does have that like, like there's that scene where they're fighting in the school and like one of the, she gets like slammed against the cabinet, like cabinetry and it just like gets demolished and there's yeah. no excessive reaction to the like sheer excessive force. Or like the fight with her sister that is like they're like bleeding and just like breaking doors left and right. <laughs> and it's so funny. But the action is also good and enjoyable to watch. Like 
so having like that is the the ideal comp I think to this movie because it has so many of those things where you go in you're gonna have a good time because it's funny it's fun to watch and everyone in it is so good like Priya Kansada is a star like she is Mm -hmm. delightful Mm -hmm. on screen and I want them to put her in everything yeah because I think that she actually has a kind of a hard job because even though it is a comedy you have to root for her when she's doing things that you know are yeah. bad. And like, oh, she yeah. just is so sympathetic. She's both sympathetic, but also like genuinely really funny when she's mm-hmm. like t- planning with her friends. And like, I, I think that it is just, I-, I think it's so much easier said than done to do things that the audience is like, I don't know if you should do that. Yeah. I mean, we, we take it for granted <laughs> right. that because so many of our comedies are based on people being misguided and like if it's bad especially i think a lot of times like teenagers a lot of movies like teen comedies that don't work for me where it's just like uh you're just being an idiot i don't like this at all whereas like you really (laughs) you really feel like um it's all it's all rooted in her own fears and i think that that's well that's what makes it funny too because it's related it's funny because it's relatable too because we've all we've all lied to ourselves about why we're doing something because we're sure. afraid. And of course, at the end of the movie, it does turn out that she is right that there's something nefarious going on. That's but that's so important. N- but that's not why she's trying to. I know, up the but it's so <laughs> yeah, cathartic. Yeah. I feel like it's so cathartic to watch a movie where this like teen girl is constantly told she's overreacting. Mm-hmm. She's like thinking too hard about it. Unless yes, like her reasonings for acting the way she did were not always like in line with what she was saying. But her her instinct was right, and the movie lets her instinct be right, which is, I think, a rare thing sometimes when they center teenage girls. Like, sometimes the lesson is like, don't feel things too hard. Don't think things mm. too hard. But she, mm. no, her lesson was like, "You, good job. Like, you mm. are the one who, who saw yeah. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it also feels like two things are happening at the same time, where it is she is parsing through her feelings about her sister and the maybe like the more like abandonment issues of her like growing apart and growing away from her which has her act in ways that are not appropriate and doing things like that but then she is also fighting the larger like notion of marriage and like just the misogynistic side of it in terms of like like it, it's almost like both things are going at the same time, and she is very much confirmed correct on the latter of like mm-hmm. in a very like spectacular way in how what the big reveal is eventually. Uh, and in that sense of like where she denies that or she is against like at least like having your personality, your whole identity defined by like your ability to find and have marriage, uh, that stays consistent and separate of like her feelings for her sister. And like, I think she comes out fully like vindicated in that front. Um, so yeah, like to your point also, Jake, like it, it is really hard to get mad at how um, awful she is at a certain point when her big way of sabotaging it is filling a bunch of used condoms. Oh, with mayonnaise. My- it's so great. <laughs> So funny. It's, so it's such a funny. It's also like such a teenage. Like it's as like that is the most misguided. <laughs> I just love. Like it was just never it, gonna work. No, and it, like that she has the forethought of like I'm going to break into this estate 
So she's that pot committed to do that. But the sure. only idea she can think of is used like she couldn't think of like something more nefarious or at least something better thought out. But I, and I, I think an important thing too that she's afraid of, which I think is an interesting thing that it touches on, is because I, I don't necessarily and I know I didn't think you were saying this, but it's not like a movie where she is upset at the idea of marriage. Right. It's that she sees no. her sister getting married as her giving up on her dreams. Yes. And yes. what she can't admit to herself is that she thinks that if her sister gives up on her dreams, then that means she can't accomplish her dreams. Mm-hmm. Not that she doesn't want her sister right. to be an artist, but it's like, yeah. oh, if my sister, who is older than me by however many years, ends up needing to settle to get married. No, settle when the guy's that hot and rich and going to live in Singapore. Sure. Like, fine. But, like, um, that... It's kind of her, it's like a, a a moment of realization of like, oh, wait, maybe dreams don't come true. Me and my sister both had dreams. Yeah. And if hers don't yeah. come true, then like, what chance do I have? Um, and I think that that is something that is very relatable and hard because um, it is, you know, because I think we all have big dreams. And it is if you have older siblings, you do see, and this is not me throwing shade at my older sibling at all. It's just the idea of like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, like. Things change, and you know, you, and it, what's important is that your older sibling's happy. Uh, and obviously, uh, her older sibling seems like she's happy. Once again, hot guy, doctor, Singapore. Um, but weird, weird more... stuff with the mom, though. Exactly, weird, weird, weird stuff with the mom. Weird, let's weird talk stuff with about the mom. the mom. Let's talk about the mom who, uh, played by uh, apologies, Nimra Busha, uh, who was also the baddie in Miss Marvel. It's just. Yep. Great at mm-hmm. playing a mother with weird issues with her son, <laughs> who's evil. <laughs> she, she is. She also actually made me think of Sarita Chowdhury in The Green Knight, because yeah. same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mother, weird issues with your son. Yeah. Like, straight up. And weird issues is just edible is what we mean, but we don't want to, you know, that's, well, that's what it is. <laughs> there was like a very strange like I think the film did a really good job of keeping it unsettling and she is a big part of that yeah with the way like the stare and the mm-hmm. fashion and the way she like can like turn it from mm-hmm. calm to like maniacal in like mm-hmm. a heartbeat yeah. so good yeah I I like that they keep it ambiguous but I also really I do genuinely like be- that they they make it we- the, the result weird that yeah. it is her wanting to put a clone of herself inside of I mean, it, it suddenly um, becomes like at that point like a bit of like get out like it's yeah, just there's yeah, so many yeah, yeah. Um, that like i was waiting for it I, I was waiting for the turn to be there's a conventional evil thing going on but it's like sure. oh no, no 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 this woman is like nuts and that's why i go to the edible thing because like i don't know what you know the greek poet's would say what how they would describe this scenario, but there is something psychosexually weird about what's I, going I don't on. Know. I actually I think I might disagree with you because I okay. think the explanation she gives is so clear, which is okay. she was right. used, she was at the at at without any of her own agency, her father mm-hmm. made choices for her, her husband made choices yeah. for mm-hmm. her. Like this is what she says it is. She sees it as a second chance, as a way for her to do what she wanted to do without all of these like men making choices for her. I think I don't anything, disagree like, with the makes strangeness. It, the strangeness is I think mostly there be because of like how she raised her son, but like her intentions aren't necessarily sexual I'm, towards or something i guess no 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 i don't think that yeah. that's necessarily true i guess what i'm saying is one i and this honestly just could be my biases and i sure. fully admit that i can center that i didn't fully 
I thought that what you're saying, Preeti, is a lot of it, but I think the fact that her way of going about that idea is to artificially inseminate someone with herself is at the very least a weird... There's something off about that. It's not as simple in my, I, at least as I can see, as no, wanting to regain her own agency. I agree. Sure. I agree that it yeah. is, there's a problem with it. I yeah. agree that there's something off about it. I disagree that it's edible in nature. That okay. is the point yes. that I And that case, I fully yeah. agree to disagree just because I, that's the way I was reading the scenes where they're together. <laughs> but maybe, I don't know. I think, I, also, I, that's why I was. I, I think what you're both saying, like, are two different things was, at the same time. That's, yeah. the, like, I think, like, I think we're all in agreement, like, w- the relationship that they have is Oedipal, but, like, what yes. her plan is, is not. Fair. Fair. Yeah. It is, it is once again, just a, sh- I will say, I was very pleasantly surprised and pleased with that story turn, though, because it is a wild swing to take in a movie that that's I not love what it's it. about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to make a movie about someone who's trying to clone themselves and is trying to find the perfect host. To make that the third act twist is wild. So good. <laughs> yeah, um, but like but it, yeah, it, it I, also, but like it also, like for as well as it is, like Preeti was just saying it, like it also does center the core villain of the story because she is very much the like the wrong side of what could have happened to her two yes. sisters. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yes, so yes. like what we're witnessing there is like she does see like her future and like getting it right. like the way like the sisters right now are trying to make it right by going against mm. all the things that like was happening to their mm. mothers and aunts and like generations mm. above like she's trying to do it by rewriting her own history so mm-hmm. like in the end they're all this like we're not so different you and i basically right yes i do want to know what the conversation would be like when that clone is like five you know, like, because <laughs> right. I'll say this too. There's no way that she's, that Rahila is not resenting that clone. She thinks that she's going to be happy that she, no, she's going to resent her. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Why do yeah. you get to be happy? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But it's no, not going to work out the way she wants. Yeah, for sure. No, no it's not a it, good plan. <laughs> no, it's no. not. Um, but yeah, I, it also, and also she's like, I, I get to live the perfect life. I'm like, you're a, making a lot of assumptions about how consciousness works. I don't think that that's how that works. <laughs> um, but no, I, I and I also I really liked the the bits where there's there's a lot of hijinks. But I'm particularly thinking of the scene with the gym where they're trying to steal. So so uh, good. God. The laptop. Um, the the unnecessariness of the disguises. I think is just so funny. To I, me. I have it's one charming. note about the disguises. <laughs> Um, which is not the most appropriate, but like micro friendly. So it's not when Rhea is doing it, but when her friend Alba is doing mm-hmm. her costume mm-hmm. and walking through. And we were like talking about like who, like, so uh, when we saw Rhea, I was like, it looks like Nazim Pedrad doing an Aziz Ansari like, uh-huh. impression on Saturday yep. Night Live. But then, like, I couldn't quite nail down what Alba like looked like to me. Mm-hmm. And then my girlfriend leaned in and she's just like, hey, isn't that Louis C.K.? And I was like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. it yeah. I'm not proud of that, but I can very much it's see not, it. Not. It's not That's not. Funny. It's not not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but um, just like their impression, like very similar to like the condom scene and everything, like their notion of what like encapsulates a teenage boy <laughs> is incredible. <laughs> like just mm-hmm. the hunch, the walk. Like, Jake, did you at any like I'm trying to think, did I ever walk like that? 
back in my day or currently? I mean, did you? I, no, I definitely no. did not know how to like. To be completely frank, I've actually never been in a public gym locker room where people are naked. It's just not. I just haven't There's made that. the life choices yeah. required. Yeah, it's just it's it's you in this day and age you can go your whole life without needing to do that. Um, but yeah. I also think once you that, get through high you know, school, you're basically in the clear. Yeah. Like that's the thing. The funny you just have to thing get past to me school. about it. The funny thing to me about it was that they both decided that they needed big facial hair. That like that was an idea of what a man is like is like yeah. having exaggerated. Um, Correct. But and yeah, I just thought that there were so many fun choices, and it was. I, I just love the way that this movie decided to shoot everything as stylized, not as stylized mm-hmm. as possible, but completely sure. stylized and not beholden to one style. Like that was shot like yeah. a heist movie. There were scenes that were shot like, yeah. and I feel like the looseness with the genre and the elements is what, you know, made this such a special movie. Um, I don't know. What was your opinion? Cause I didn't know what to make of uh, the, of Salim, the, the, cause he was, I, I actually, I, I was looking him up on IMDb. He doesn't have an IMDb profile picture. Is he someone that you're familiar with? Preeti or he. Salim was the, 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 the husband, the, husband. the boyfriend. Yeah. No, the boyfriend. The boyfriend. Oh, the boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. The son, boyfriend, um, fiance. Yeah. Yeah. Who, Akshay Khanna? Was that his name? The actor? Yes. Right? Yes. I believe so. Because yes. Akshay, <laughs> Akshay Khanna is also the name of an extremely famous Bollywood actor. And we were all like, Akshay Khanna is in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Different Akshay Khanna. Um, he was, I thought he was good. He was exactly what the movie needed him to be. Yeah. Like he wasn't taking over any scenes. Mm. He wasn't, you know, uh, the star by any means. Mm. This movie, he's incidental, right? His, you're like that. And that's how he played it. Yeah. Cause what I was thinking was when I was watching the first two thirds of it, I'm like, I don't know if this guy's doing much. He's kind of just a pretty face. And then you kind of learn at the end, like, oh, no, that is, he's just a pretty face. <laughs> like, he's actually who he is. <laughs> his entire character is to be good on paper, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and he does that uh, very well. And yes. everyone knows, like, that's a thing is, like, everybody knows that guy. Like, yeah. that. so right. when, like, that's sort of the thing of, like, you know that guy who's, like, great on paper, mm. weird relationship with the mom because yeah. the mom has pushed yeah. him his whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. There is a uh, he will always. But defer like, there's to like a little mother. bit of um, sure, and but like just because it is a single mother too, it's like you forgive it because like it is endearing on his part to be yeah. so devoted until like <laughs> like like that it gets presented. I don't think it is, but like that he has at least a reason for his closeness. As weird, I as think it there's is. a reason yeah. they understood they needed to show that. Um, the older sister was getting drugged because I think a yes. lot oh, of girls for sure. would be like red flags. So yeah. many red flags. Oh, a <laughs> thousand percent. <laughs> I, I think like what he presents in that moment too, like is just that for like, when you think about where Lena's like, where she is at her point in her life, mm-hmm. he just presented something that was secure and yeah. like he's nice like it's it's just classic like the bar is so low for yes. us. Yeah. the and bar is incredibly <laughs> low <laughs> and at another point in her life she wouldn't she would feel like no i don't need approval from this random hot guy well that's why it was such a, that's why but, it's such a betrayal for ria too like yeah just to but, see like, that what, yeah what ria's not understanding is that like lena's at a place where she her self-esteem is so low that like 
she kind of, she'll take it when she can get in. This guy makes her feel special. And like, yeah, it's not maybe what she envisioned herself being a famous artist or whatever, but like, sure. you know, I think that she's kind of at the place. I think the, the interesting thing about their age gap is that Rhea can't understand the concept of someone just wanting to feel good about themselves again after failure. And that's the thing we think we've all been through. We're like, yeah, you might be like, Oh, you know, this isn't what I imagined when I was, you know, 12 years old, but this is better than how I have been feeling. And I think that Rhea's like, no, no, no. If it's not exactly what you imagine, well, this is bad. It's interesting. Cause it's also tied to the very, you know, this, this, they don't push this narrative, but that idea of like, being a success in your parents' eyes. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. her parents, obviously, they are supportive of the arts. They are supportive mm -hmm. of their daughters trying yeah. these things. But there is also this line of, like, on on the... In in these in, in our culture, at least. Um, mm, sure. In that if you're going to do it, there you should still be successful at it. Yeah. Like, you should yes. still... Whatever mm -hmm. you choose to do, whether it's the arts, whether it's medicine, whether it's whatever, be good at it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's also that through line of like, mm -hmm. not that her parents were actively pressuring her, but yeah. culturally and societally, we see that pressure exist with all those scenes with the aunties. Yeah. And I think that that was it's the thing not that not enough didn't to, that it's a passion is basically yeah. right. like it's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I like what you're saying that it was, we, we felt the pressure. We didn't, it didn't need to be taxed. Because right. I think a lot of, mm -hmm. I think a lot of even, filmmakers and writers of the culture they're writing from can sometimes i think be insecure about communicating to white audiences like the way things are different but i actually think that this is a thing that i think is with the reasons it might be different but i think it is kind of universal in that like not completely universal but i, I definitely understand the feeling of you know having i have parents who would never really sit me down and be like jake we're disappointed in you you should do better but like, they also have, you know, a similar thing of, like, come on, Jake, like, you should be, and I think that, that was the thing I can relate to. I, if it was, like, you know, a more pointed, like, we're really disappointed in you, how dare you go into the arts? Like, that, I could have understood from a different culture perspective, but I wouldn't be able to relate to. I can relate to the, I mean, as someone who went to art school who is not currently working <laughs> in the arts, I can relate to, like, the support of, like, you know what, if you can do it, do it, but if you can't do it, maybe think about something else. Like, mm -hmm. that, I, that, yes. and once again, the point of movie making is not to get straight white guys to relate to it, but I think that it is a very universal thing that even, yeah. even in all cultures, if you have parents that are like nice people, there always is going to be the thing where it's like, but we do want you to be successful because success is better for you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, I think, uh, I think what, like, well, I mean, if we just think about like the three of us here, like we've all like studied or are actively pursuing things that are not like your traditional like nine to five that mm -hmm. like would be seen as like a more secure type of career job. So like I know in my case, like I had to work many, many years and it wasn't until like one of the jobs that I was doing was technically a full time job, even though I had worked full time as a contractor. Like I've never like I've been I had been very fortunate when I started doing like my line of work now that. I never had like significant gaps in ha like working and yet because of like just their sense of like what is secure is to actually have like a full-time employment which is so uncommon in our line of work it wasn't until I actually got that they were just like Phew, like he's good now <laughs> he's set and I was just like 
And in my mind, I'm like, I've been doing this like consistently for years now. And yet Jerome, that's you like, don't have to lie. The moment they knew you made it is when you're in that video with Drake. Like, let's not let's not be stupid. <laughs> funny, enough, funny enough, I I could probably show them that video of Drake, and the first question would be like, who's that guy? And then the second one would be, yeah, but do you think your company is willing to offer you a full time position <laughs> with benefits and things like that? And yeah. so like, uh, so. Like even just in the broader sense, like there are things like that that happen in this movie that make it like very relatable because beyond even just like any of the cultural elements, the idea of like this generation and younger pursuing things that are more passions than they are mm-hmm. like, you know, your traditional um secure, successful, good salary, good career path, all of that. Um, that is a thing that we do now more and more, and it is still a foreign concept to people outside, like either older or outside of culture. Well, that's what's so brilliant about the move of having that teacher, that non-Pakistani teacher, be the person mm-hmm. telling Rhea yeah. that she had to be, she had to uh, do work study with a doctor because yeah. that is what she's supposed to do. Um, there, yeah, there is like, there's so many like little brilliant things that this movie does mm-hmm. that say so much in such small moments. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my favorite moment in the movie is just a concept, which I didn't come up with this term, obviously, but it's a trope called the Gilligan cut, which is from Gilligan's Island, where it was, a character would say like, there is no way that I'm going to go skydiving. <laughs> and it's it's so it's skydiving. <laughs> yep, yep, this yep. movie it was a rare Gilligan cut where someone's sentence was cut off. It's there's no way we're going to a hoity toity Eid soiree. And then yeah. chapter two, the <laughs> Eid soiree. <laughs> Great. It's yeah. so good. And like, there's such a realism to like that shot of her just sitting bored in her outfit <laughs> in right. the like, on the couch with the other girl, and she's just like, this is the worst. Everything about this is boring. Mm-hmm. I hate this. But it's not because she doesn't want to go to a cultural thing. Yeah, exactly. It, it, right. She's a teenager, and she didn't want to go to a party where none of her friends were. And it also, right. I think a way that this movie feels British in this way, and this obviously could be the case, but, I, but the thing I, whenever I hear British people talk about the difference between England and America, is like, you don't understand how present class is in Britain. Mm. Like in America, you mm. think of like rich people, poor people. That like the thing, the thing that she doesn't like about the soiree yeah. is the cla- the bouginess of it. Yeah, that like sure. she doesn't yeah. like them because they're rich. And so like that is a thing that I think in Amer- in an American context, once again, I don't want to speak for everyone, but you can. I think it'll be harder to pull that off because generally speaking, when someone in like a lower class in an American movie is invited to like a hoity-toity thing, they're impressed by it. Whereas in Britain, it's like piss off. You know, right? I rather well, this is hoity-toity. You know, uh, and I thought that that was really fun the way that they kind of played with that, especially mm-hmm. when you have her mother at the mahjong group clearly being the one of the lowest socioeconomic status, and like that is a thing that no matter moms bragging about their kids and the one who comes from the background where the kids aren't that successful, like that yep. is. <laughs> Uh, like yeah, um, it, it really brought me back to a time when I used to want like go to a friend's house to play, but it was like more of a like all the families got together, mm-hmm. and so the kids would be playing. But at a certain point, there was always gonna be one parent who forced their kid to play a song on the piano yep. for everyone to see how good they were at yep. it. Mm-hmm. And then my parents looked at me, and even though I technically learned piano, mm-hmm. they looked at me with the most confidence of he ain't that guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I appreciated them so much for that. Like yeah. just in the kind of way of uh, just never being thrown into the competitive nature of parent versus parent showing mm-hmm. off their kid. Yeah, that the thing is the advantage I always had and my I think me and my brothers always had is that we were kids who were very good at talking to adults. And it's mm-hmm. like that I feel like is the most impressive talent a kid can have, even more so than like music. Is like you talk to adults, like, okay, I didn't have to worry about that. I remember that, that was always my mom was like, Oh, Jay, DJ, tell tell anyway. Um, but the the Eid Soiree is obviously not just to, to celebrate Eid, although it is. It's also like the most nefarious plot of I just the the mere the way they don't like spend that much time thinking about it because it is such a sci-fi concept sure. of them both using like X-ray cameras and DNA tests. Oh my god! <laughs> like what they're doing, they they don't spell it out because it would derail the whole movie to have to think about it. They are using X-ray cameras hidden in bushes to measure the birthing canals of yeah, strangers. It's, yeah. It's- you don't want to think too. This is what it, this is where I go to like Kung Fu Hustle because you don't want to think too hard about it. Sure. Oh just, yeah, yeah. The science is not sound. <laughs> no, I, I, and so I I just love that whole bit, and I think that it's also um, good because like when it's first presented, it is mm-hmm. through the eyes of Rhea, and it is mm-hmm. that whole notion of the like hoity-toity. Like we think we, she is so overthrown by like the hoity-toityness mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. Like all these flashes, all these like like servers who are grabbing her drink when she doesn't want. Mm-hmm. It's like when she's not done yet. She thinks she's just like mm-hmm. in this like really shitty high class event, and then we realize it's actually like a a science conspiracy nightmare. Yes. Um. And so I want to just go. Quick. We've been kind of bouncing through the plot, but some another sure. big moment is when she goes to uh, Raheel's mansion to apologize. She brings cookies. Mm-hmm. Or biscuits, but apologies to British listeners. Um, <laughs> and there is a thing I didn't think I'd see in cinema, a scene, a wag waxing scene that is a torture scene. Um, <laughs> so good. Just, <laughs> just incredible stuff. I don't know. I thought, I just thought that was a thing that I, when I realized that that was happening, it's like, kudos for being the first person to think of putting this in a movie because it seems so obvious when you're watching it. Like, oh, this is a great way to torture someone. It's, I... Yeah, I mean, everything. I feel like every choice they made was so smart. Everything. Yeah, was and, like, funny. and in each of those cases, it's always like there's like layers to each mm-hmm. choice. Exactly. Like, yes. like it. It is the torture, but it is also like just like all the things of you know exerting like femininity and like yes, exactly. carelessness yeah. and all like just there's so like there's just so much that's going on at the same time. But then also, I think like to an earlier point, like what I love about the movie is like. They're never trying to make a point. No. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it, they don't underline like, isn't it interesting how this woman <laughs> yeah, yeah, is exactly. a thing that is associated with like a certain type of femininity that, that Rhea does not necessarily ascribe to as torture? Isn't that interesting? Like, that's yeah. not underlined. Um, and then this is where she discovers the lab, which you know, pretty lucky stuff. But I do really like that it is Rahila doesn't care because she knows that no one's gonna believe her. Like, that's kind right. of the. Mm-hmm. the Master stroke of her plan is like once this girl seems crazy, she can find out the whole plan. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, and then we get to the wedding where there is the whole plot to kidnap uh, <laughs> Lena. Um, can I just very briefly? Of course. You can leave. Do it longly. 
to talk <laughs> to talk about how wonderful the friendship is between yeah. these yes. three girls and the bully, like yes. all of them bringing these like teen girls together in this like slapstick of a heist kidnapping mm-hmm. situation is so funny and her friends are so wonderful like they mm-hmm. she manages to pull together all of these like tenants of like friendship between teen girls in this mm-hmm. movie too so it turns into like a teen comedy at the same mm-hmm. time as it is everything else brilliant i, I also love the i like especially because considering their ages and where they are it's like the idealism of like young feminism where they just mm-hmm. yell with rage like, we different, can do like this. platitudes <laughs> yes to each other um, I love the bully because the bully's not a bully. It just right. seems like it's someone who loves like the dynamic that she has with Rhea and that they bring that energy out of each other. Not mm-hmm. so much like I'm going to pick on you and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Like, cause you see it for a brief moment when Rhea's kind of going through her like downtime and she's like very like saddened yeah. by everything that's going on. And she's trying to like, uh, she's trying to like, coax it out of her and when she doesn't do anything she's just sad by it yeah mm-hmm. like and so and then for that to turn around and then like again um you know all of them brought together by like numerous common mm-hmm. enemies uh <laughs> and just like again beautiful friendship like uh in a lot of different ways uh what i really liked about especially like the young friendship some of the things about abandonment growing thing growing apart mm-hmm. the naturalistic way and they all relate with each other it really reminded me of super bad mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah. like how it hits those elements there and it's just uh even though like these are things that are written by adults you can tell they're writing from experiences of when they were younger like mm-hmm. i well for the record super bad was not written by adults they started writing when they're 14 but right. <laughs> oh yeah no, no, for sure I'm but kidding, like I'm in kidding. what yeah and then um and then even i heard like nita Manzur like had started writing this movie in her 20s like yeah. that's when like the idea itself yeah. came out and so a lot of the things uh i think if anything she was maybe pulling more so from like Lena's perspective, but then like mm-hmm. you know, Rhea kind of yeah. represents the younger, more idealistic mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. of things before life does not quite go the way that she yeah. has hoped. Mm-hmm. I, I do love one thing: the fact the friends are basically they are signing up to do jail time if they get caught because they are kids. Like this is a, it's a, and but I, I I think I do love that they portrayed realistically because this is the thing that it doesn't actually get me angry because people who get angry about cinema and stuff are dorks, but. Uh-huh. Chloroform takes a very long time to knock people out, and I thought that was very, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's very hard to do. Also, and, right before that, when Lena just sees him, like, what are you all doing here? Yeah, like, there's not the, a like. It's just yeah. it, it it is very spectacular in all those moments, but then there's all those like grounded moments, like, what are you two doing here? <laughs> like, what are my sister's friends doing dressed at up my, as servers yeah. at yeah. my wedding? Yeah, what? <laughs> and the way and the fact that the way that they get the tea and they go in this because they exploit. You know the guy's oh awfulness <laughs> with. I didn't heavy flow. We said a lot. Uh, I just love. I love that. That's like he's kind of hesitant, and then just heavy flow. <laughs> <laughs> and, then and then he just takes it. He's just like, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, go ahead, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and obviously that doesn't work. But I, I do like that when in we can talk about some of the elements of it that Lena eventually comes to enough to have agency. Yeah. In yeah, and and, yes. and and that's like that could obviously. I, by the time the movie came to that, I knew they would do that because I knew I was And also to pretty sitting through a good movie. It never but... presents her as weak. She has been no. drugged this whole time. Yeah, yeah. like they can't yeah. there's no there are no damsels in this movie. I no. exactly. Yeah. And also like she's drugged 
at at some point. But even to start with, it's like I don't until I think eventually she starts making somewhat rational decisions. When after a month she decides to get married and move to Singapore, but like once again, the on paper what she's doing is not. Like I think that's important for Rhea to learn. It's not too, her subjugation. It's, it's her not, like independent choice. Yeah, based on, it's like, not. What a, you, yeah. It is not a moral or like less than for a grown woman to want to be with a guy that maybe is different than she normally. Like that. That in itself is not bad. Eventually, she obviously gets under the influence of things that influence her decisions. Mm-hmm. But I like that it's not like see, and this is why you need to learn to just be an artist who lives on her lonesome for the rest of her life. Like that's mm-hmm. not right. a lesson in the movie. Um, but yeah, it's. I do also think it's so fun that, you know, uh, she just shoots the gun a bunch of times. Like, I, was not, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, um, my God. That was comedy in itself. So funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just thought that that was a very interesting, like, they kind of hit it head on. And uh, Rhea's very lucky that Lena eventually had memories of stuff because if she didn't back her up, that would have ended really poorly. <laughs> but That would have um, been rough. And this is where we get a lot of, like, the bigger fight scenes, which I think... Um, just, are, I think are great because they are not, they're so cinematic and so unconcerned with reality. Um, and they're also f- shot in so many wide shots. It's not super cut up to death. Um, apparently Priya Kasara did a lot of her own stunts, which you can tell and always helps. Um, because yeah, it just, it, it feels very much like a, even though this is not a high acting action movie the whole time, the stunt work in it, it doesn't feel like a comedy director getting a second unit director to do stunts, you know? Right. Right. It's really fun to watch. Yes. And there's been the whole through line throughout this movie of the, what is it? The double, like the spinning roundhouse kick or whatever she's trying to do. Yeah. The fury. She is the fury. fury. She is the fury. I think some people mistake a element in a movie being predictable with being bad. We all knew that the movie was going to end with her doing that kick to be the, the kick Raheel or someone in the head. Sure. And you know what? The fact that we all knew it made it satisfying. It's, you uh, cheer. You want her to succeed and you mm-hmm. get to see her succeed. It's every sports movie you've ever seen. Sure. Yes. It's yes. also the predictability of it eventually happening that makes the comedy of every time it fails. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, she's the fury. Uh, and, you know, I, I just think that it's such a satisfying ending. And I really like that they don't spend any time with the shoe leather of what happens like in the grand scheme of things, we just get the emotional payoff where they're mm-hmm. doing what we all do after stressful situations, eating cheeseburgers and fries. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. cheeseburgers and chips. Um, <laughs> and then the bit at the end where she gets the email um, from the stun woman. And then it ends, I think perfectly with the kick to the camera. I mean, it's great. Just, well, they like, like and even before that, it's just yes, what's, exactly. Just like they run to the parking lot to just do it. Like one of my favorite things too, that is just like such a, like every time you see Lena film, she's not just holding the phone. She's like a cinematographer. Like she's a director (laughs) of photography. She's like leaning. She's like working with them. Like she's got, you know, um, when you see those TikToks of like, like they just show the alternate view, like shout out the person holding the iPhone, like running across and doing all the work. It's that. And (laughs) I I love it so much. Because I think that that's actually a thing that's unspoken, but I think important is that like, if you were to describe these two characters on paper and say they're sisters, in most movies, the movie would be about how the sisters don't get along because one's super artsy and one's super athletic. And sure. I love the fact that it's like, one, that like you can see how they complement each other. That like they they both respect what they do and it's not about 
them being competitive or like them not understanding each other. It's like, no, they understand each other because yeah, Rhea does the stunt videos and Lena, the super artsy one gets artsy with how she films it. Like they cut, they are, they're, they're simpatico with each other, mm-hmm. which I really like because that's what siblings, siblings aren't all the same, but you know, it, it, you com- you compliment each other. Um, and, uh, although I'm, I, I was saying siblings aren't all the same, but I'm like, think about interest wise, like me and my brothers are pretty similar. <laughs> it's not actually the much right. like, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know well, about you, but yeah, we were all, well, it's, it's having like my family is my older brother is an actor and my mm-hmm. younger sister is an artist mm-hmm. and I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. And so my parents really like my mom used to be like, she was like, I'm going to have a doctor. I'm going to have a lawyer. I'm going to have an accountant. Like <laughs> right. that is, I have three kids. They can handle every facet of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when they get their professional Instead, degree. you became a studio. Instead, mm-hmm. we became a studio. Yeah. But that, co- the commonality there is being raised in a household together mm-hmm. where you do kind of have those like support systems with each other mm-hmm. of yeah. like being able to talk about each other's work and those kinds of mm-hmm. things very much is a part of that culture. Too. Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. I think that because Rhea is, I think, a very interesting character in that she is someone who is not artsy, but she is artistic in that she creates things. And I think that that's a really interesting. Sure. I think her wanting to be a stunt woman is a very is something I don't know if I've ever really seen in a movie of a character mm-hmm. uh, aspiring to that. I do think when she was making the argument to the teacher, she should have probably said that stunt people often graduate to being stunt coordinators, which is a good job in Hollywood. <laughs> but whatever. Right. Right. Um, right. But yeah, I think that it was just a really interesting way of showing it. And obviously she can do it because she did the kick. Um, I actually don't know if she's a good stunt woman because most of stunt work is not doing kicks. But <laughs> it's like it, it is great that like all her stunt work is being a very well-trained martial artist. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, wait until she gets up to say, and it's like, yeah, actually most of what you do is you have to fall downstairs and not hurt right. yourself. <laughs> right. Or like, uh, you know, uh, our lead first in the call sheet doesn't want to be in the harness all day, so you're gonna have to do some of the CGI stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, all I, that said, I think uh, the character of Rhea mm-hmm. like can one thousand percent show up in whatever is mm-hmm. the offshoot of a John Wick series. Like, mm-hmm. let's just send her over just there. Just put to... her in everything. Put her in everything. Yeah, too. I love yeah. her. Okay, how about this? So when they got to a spinoff uh, in jo- <laughs> of. Oh my, I'm forgetting the character's name. The John Wick character um, played by... Uh, Donnie Yen? No, oh, her, no. Her, his... Um, okay, what's the character's name? Come on, I'm pulling up the... Oh, Akira, Rina Sa- uh, Sawayama's yes, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they do the spinoff, why can't she go to L- London and, oh, there's another young female assassin? <laughs> yeah. Why not? I mean, the thing is, like, is there any, is there any situation in which a young or an exciting either young or old action star particularly someone who's not from hollywood if you were to say like okay there's a john wick movie where they go to insert city and there's an old slash young assassin played by like yeah i'm in you know no matter who it is (laughs) yeah so let's make that happen but yeah i guess i'm excited to see i'm excited to see um well basically anyone in this movie like anita manzo i really hope that this is a springboard to do whatever she wants, tell original stories. Mm-hmm. Um, where, yeah, I mean, I always say a springboard to whatever she wants because I think that uh, you know, I if she wants to do stuff that's super big, go for it. If she wants to do stuff that's super small, right. go for it. But um, she has a voice, and uh, not to sound cheesy, but by God, that is the thing that you can't teach. Yeah, it's true. This is why um, 
people should be able to write their stories and make a living wage writing their stories. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> right. oh, oh, obviously, we stand with the WGA. Uh, that is. <laughs> so we've been, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought about asking AC to start the Guardians pod with that, but I'm like, no. I already, I already like did tweets. I've, I've been trying to tweet out a bunch of stuff specifically <laughs> right. because, like, I see a lot of people. I see like Hollywood mags trying to be like. Hey, MCU fans, did you hear that they're delaying Blade? Doesn't that make you really mad and one of us blame the writers? And I'm like, no, <laughs> screw you. I mean, like, what response to any of that is like, it is the one actual good reason that all these things continue to get delayed. It's it just... It, like, yeah. Or like one of the few. Just because like when you hear like all the other nonsense of like reasons why like a production yeah. gets delayed, uh, you're like, yeah, that seems a bit silly. If anything, it sounds like it might have been rushed in the first place. But mm-hmm. then, like something like here, where it's either, you know, um, I think before like the writer strike, just the fact that you know, their, I think it was what their animators were just so overworked that they needed yes. to actually take a break. Like yeah. that is a reasonable, um, yes. Thing. Like just push the movie. Of man. course, just push it. Of it's course, fine. yeah. But th- I guess what I was saying is that. I just know damn well that there's going to be at some point, probably soon, a bunch of baby nerds who of course. blame yep. the writers, and I just want to be like, hey, uh, don't do that. Not that we have a loud voice, in the, but like, I mean, you no, know. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I've had more conversations about how much we hate the way that people are on the internet about <laughs> these products that like, I just know I'm like, I, I hate being pandered to, and I'm like, you are trying to convince people who like the stuff I like. To blame writers, well, yeah. which I am. Sure. They're all they're like all in the boat with the studios for access yeah. and all of yeah. that. So they're gonna yes. stay on so, message, as it were. And so they shut down, you know, they're trying to shut down Daredevil today. And you know what they I say to that? Hit. Daredevil can come out in twenty twenty seven. Sure. Off. Fine. I don't care. Uh anyway, that's a little, I, again, like I mean like the even like outside of the context of this, like when it comes to MCU, we are so spoiled. Like, beyond spoiled. To the point yes. that, like, it's actually resulted, I think, for a lot of people as Correct. fatigue. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, um, the I just, like, n- ask anyone. I know it's been long enough at this point, but ask anyone who has gone through, like, the horrors of the original Daredevil movie and tell them that this is what your world was going to be. Like, they would have taken a third of what we're getting. So, the thing is, <laughs> Jerome, I agree with you in principle, but those are also words you can say when you don't have to find content for an MCU podcast. But no... <laughs> Uh, I'm not polite kidding. society i'm kidding the two things is that that's also the thing too is I'm, i want to cover more stuff because like one i like to do this show at least once a week and also like sure. i know that the mcu is going to slow down because they're making less money and also they should slow down but, and so isn't that crazy because like originally like we created this podcast because we were covering all the mcu films leading up to infinity war yeah but technically like in terms of actual releases there weren't that many at the time no it was just that we were watching like retroactively all the previous movies yes and then i think there were only like maybe like three or four new actual things in the entire time up until we got to infinity war that like came out during the only black, well, only black panther actually was the only was one. it only yeah. I, ragnarok oh no that no, came no, out, ragnarok yeah, came out exactly. in november of 2017 exactly so, uh, yeah so yeah. like it's insane like even though the frequency that we were working on back then we were working off of existing material not well, providing but the thing is, we, we, that was that frequency was only for that period of time and then when i go back and look at the archives we would go like three months without doing an episode uh, right yeah yeah and, exactly uh, and anyway and then you know, disney plus happened and then it was like you couldn't <laughs> do enough episodes yeah exactly uh, yeah. I mean, more than anything is, I think 
we the pandemic happened we were bored and ac had time and it was you know, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway but so overall i think the message here is that play society is a good film yes it's a good, it's a great go film. see it yeah. tell your friends go see to see it. it tell your friends spend money to see on it. it exactly spend money on it because uh, yeah you know not it's uh i you got you gotta spend money on the things that are good um, yep. because sure. if not because it's one of those things where it's like if uh you're not spending money on the stuff that's good you have a right i guess to complain that nothing good comes out but like you know whenever someone's like why don't they make rom-coms anymore it's like how many rom-coms did you pay to see in theaters between 2015 and 2019 none okay that's why sorry right. i don't want to tell you like I, that's why they don't make them anymore bring um, back rom-coms for jay christie 2023 you're telling me <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I'll, I'm fine. I want them to do good ones because, like, I've seen too many bad streaming ones, and I don't need them to be lazy about it. Um, anyway, this went off the rails, but it took 45 plus minutes to do that, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, any final thoughts on Polite Society? I could, I mean, there's plenty more thoughts to have on it, but it's just a great movie with a, it's really dense, so I'm excited to see it again at some point. Yeah, no, that, I think that's like the good point part there. Um, this is a movie I'm really excited to see again. Because it's it, it, like actually similar to something like in Everything Everywhere All at Once, where just like again you have no ground mm-hmm. grounding, like just no footing going into it. Like the first time you see it is just it's the real joy of discovery, and then you kind of want to go back and like and because it's so good and fun and it's like so detail oriented, like you want to go back and see the different parts. You want to appreciate the different um like plot points or easter eggs but also just you want to appreciate the characterization because like everyone is good in this like everyone is so fun um that you want to see their work over and over again you want to figure out how many different ways um the girls dressed up as fake guys (laughs) like also (laughs) like just like all the details of that but no um i mean i i just really really encourage uh but like i guess if you listen to this far you hopefully have seen it already yeah we didn't just like tell you the whole synopsis i yeah. hope you really enjoyed it i hope mm-hmm. you share it with your friends and tell them to watch it too because uh i think one of my favorite things and again like it really does happen with original content not things based on ip is just the idea of being able to share something that like no one's ever heard of at some point and then like letting them discover and like have fun with it and see where that goes from there um so a thousand percent do that yeah i think i'll echo everything you both said you nailed it and then add that once you do see it look up on youtube maradala devdas and like have your mind blown by what a good job they did with that scene we, we should link you should link it in the description van uh, what kind of producer do you think i am i knew hey, you were do, going do, to do you, mind, do, you mind, do you mind reading this plaque what does it say Narcissist. <laughs> I didn't get this made. I, I have a plaque that says I have a wooden plaque that says super producer. That was a br- gift from my brother. Uh there's no good place to put it because it makes you look like a narcissist, but uh <laughs> but yes, Jay Christie, it, the super producer no, uh, for sure. It, yeah, it is uh I I have it on my desk, which because once again I can't I don't also I don't have like a office, so it's not like I can put it facing anyone. Well, anyway, uh yeah, so highly recommend this movie and um who knows? But maybe this pod once again is the bump. You know, like I, I it might not sweep the Oscars, but you know, um, it's, it's May, certainly we might have to do. We might have to do the thing where we're just gonna do 
weekly or bi-weekly pods on this movie over and over again until <laughs> yes, everyone watches just it. get everyone no, no. to go see it. Yeah. What I was yeah. going to say is that's a good idea. Or drum when I was in, this is not to take away from this movie, but like we start like doing like, not this year, but like next year in April to May, we do a pod on every new movie that comes out so we can claim it. We had the bump. Like, oh, well, I mean, obviously, no one was going to that movie. Right. Right, we had the bump. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so um, go see the movie. And, uh, you know, I would just say uh, if there's stuff that seems original and cool in theaters, uh, be adventurous and go see it. Um, especially if you happen to be signed up for a service at one of the theater chains that makes it cheap because i think that <laughs> i i really like that I, I think i like about that is that it you know i didn't have to i just was like do i have time on a saturday and i did and it was 50 cents mm-hmm. so um and yeah i think that i think that there's definitely a thing i've heard people say and i think is very true is that the one of the biggest changes culturally with people i think like 30 and younger is that back in the day people used to go to the movies and now people go to a movie mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. I think that that's really bad for cinema culture in general because people don't discover new things. And I think that this is – and also I try to recommend stuff that I like. But I also think that like if you see something that seems interesting um, and you have free time and you have the income, don't worry if it's like the big thing everyone's talking about. Go see it because you could really like it. And like yep. I mean this in the next possible way. Like if you have two free hours, like going to see a movie that a lot of people spent a lot of time and money on – is never a bad idea. It just—it's never going to be a bad idea. I think sure. people are too like, oh, what if this movie isn't good? Like, I see a lot of bad movies either. I saw Morbius in theaters. I don't, okay, whatever. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, that's my little spiel about movie. I—I I mean, Jerome, you know, I've been going on this since the pandemic. Since since it looked like theaters were gone for good, and then people are like, this might <laughs> right. be good. Movies going to stream. It's like I understand, but it's also like. If all movies go to streaming, they're all going to look like Netflix rom-coms, and that's really bad. <laughs> sure. No, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. This, like, this is actually, yeah, because, like, admittedly, like, the theater experience, when I did go watch, like, it was not a packed theater. Uh, we no. were watching, like, in the middle of the week. There are only, like, really a handful of people there. But, like, the people that Same. were there were all laughing out loud, really enjoying yeah. it. Like, this is the kind of movie that would be such a fun theater experience with a packed mm-hmm. crowd. For yeah. sure. And, yeah. and like, the irony of, like, I had been doing MC University with you guys, like, mm-hmm. for so many years. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually am not really the type of person to, like, tell people, like, oh, go watch this. But, like, these yeah. are, like, this is definitely one of those movies yeah. where I was just really excited to tell anyone whose mm-hmm. yeah. uh, opinion or tastes I really mm-hmm. appreciate and just were like-minded people and just be like, oh, my gosh, I just saw this thing. I really think you would enjoy it too. That is basically how I like reached out to yeah. you guys, which I also want yeah. to clear up in case like people do actually take things very literally and can't buy in on a joke. Like there uh, is no bad blood between no, us. Not, you, I mean, for the, this, this actually, this actually you guys the first so time. Much. People should people should know that you did appear on Patreon to talk about Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Obviously. That's right. Uh, yes, but no, yes, uh, and I, yeah, I think that I love recommending movies to people specifically because I uh-huh. honestly think I'm really good at it because i won't there are movies i won't recommend to one person to another and uh so if you sure. if you know me and i know you will not have to recommend movies to you feel free to ask movie recommendations because i watch a lot most <laughs> of it is bad not most of it's not bad but like most of it is like fine you like you just watch I... a wide range of movies exactly and because i have yeah all the free time in the world and i can either dick around on youtube or i can watch movies and sometimes you know i don't <laughs> dick around on youtube God, this is the part of the pod where I just get too revealing about myself. So let's end it. Uh, Preeti, where can people follow you? Find your stuff. Get your books. 
you have you have real stuff to promote. Jerome and I just have intangible <laughs> media things to promote. Uh, yeah, you can follow me basically on all social media, uh, which changes every day. But at mm. Run with Skizzers, S K I Z Z E R S, I have. I'm in an anthology coming out this month, actually, um, called Magic Has No Borders. And it's a collection of South Asian writers writing South Asian stories. It comes out, I think, May 23rd. Great, great thing to do during AAPI month would be to pre-order this book. Um, And you can also (laughs) pre-order my second Spider-Man book called Spider-Man's Bad Connection. That comes out September Fifth, I believe, and both of those are available literally and anywhere you buy your books. What was your first Spider-Man book called? Spider-Man's Social Dilemma is book one. Oh, hey, look at that! Hey. <laughs> a signed copy. Thank you. Yeah, please. signed copy. See, that was a way cooler thing than your name plate. Well, you I, just, I just, I have props. Um, yeah, and I, like, I, you know, if if we need to talk about something getting cleaned up, I'd use these wet wipes as a prop. I just have a couple things lying around. Right, right. Um, not sponsored. Not sponsored in any way. But yes. No, not sponsored. By, I, said wet, I said wet wipes. I didn't say wet ones. Damn it, I just said it. Okay. No. Uh, Jerome, where can people follow you, find your, your wonderful content? Uh, uh, you can find me on social, at, like Twitter, Instagram, all that, uh, at Black Dragon Roll. Uh, mm-hmm. I... I work on social content for a podcast, No Dunks, under The Athletic. Uh, you might know those guys as uh, the, formerly the starters on NBA TV. Um, but yeah, I, I work on content there. Um, and yeah, I'm just around. And sometimes I might show up here because I yeah. love AC yeah. and Jake so, so yeah. much. <laughs> yes. Uh, but and, yes. and I will say, Jerome, obviously, one of the best followers in the biz. Truly, if... <laughs> I because I, I always feel guilty about using the word content, but like what you do, Jerome, is content in the most beautiful way because it's not anything okay. specific. I'll take you know it. what I mean? Like it's like because <laughs> like, like you'll just. I mean, the thing I thought about at the beginning of the year, the thing you did with Draymond Green with the month, it just was one of the funniest oh. things I've ever seen. Like God, I just think so about that weird. all the time. Uh, anyway, I, I, uh, I don't think I ever talked to, talk to you about that, but like that was the first night I joined No Dunks. Yeah. So I was just like getting acclimated and I sent it to them as a joke and they're like, can we tweet it? And I was like, mm. okay. Yeah. And it went <laughs> and like the most viral. Um, but like, also speaking of social media, I just do a pretty, you are on, you did get a blue sky invite, right? I did. Yes, I am on blue sky. It's okay. I'm waiting. There's a lot of I'm sure, I'm sure I, it just, there's just, once I learned that it was invite only, I'm like, no, I really want that. <laughs> what is Blue Sky? I, I don't even know what you're talking it's like, about. It's basically like Jack and a couple other former Twitter people basically just made it. Oh, okay. Um, but it's, it's, oh. Uh, I think it's got servers or something. So yeah, it's, it's not, but it's different. not as restrictive as Mastodon. Yeah. Whereas the whole thing is Mastodon, okay. I made the mistake accidentally signing up for a different server than basically everyone else. And so, like, I had trouble <laughs> finding other people. Um, And this one, it seems like it's kind of like more. Yeah, like, like everyone can still be connected regardless yes. of server, I think. Yeah. I it's, don't okay. I, I, I didn't dig deep enough into Mastodon to find out why they did the whole server thing, but that seemed misguided. <laughs> I signed up for I realized when all this stuff was going on, I was like, Do I have a Mastodon account? And I did. And I signed up for Mastodon in like twenty seventeen. Wow. I don't remember Ooh. doing it, but it existed. I think there An must OG. have been something going on with Twitter yeah. at the time too. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. and so I was like on the Mastodon.social, which yeah. is like the big the yeah. big one. I did I did like home.social because for some reason it was like seemed like the most generic one. And then everyone <laughs> who was posting their Mastodons was on the same other one. And I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> um, yeah, I uh 
I just need some, I always need someone to post. So Twitter goes belly up. Some people are like, healthy people are like, when Twitter goes belly up, I'll finally be free. And it's like, I would love that if that was the way I looked at it. That would make me feel your, No, no, no. That makes me feel good about job. myself. No, You're right. pretty, I it appreciate is. you saying that. But I appreciate you saying that. But like, when I have thought, it's more that when I have thoughts like, what would his life be like if his name was Graymon Dream? <laughs> like, I need to tweet that. And yeah. Like, um, hey, yeah. that that is still all, like, if it were not for Twitter, we would not have this podcast. No, exactly. We met in a Twitter group chat. I've, yeah. Our origin story. Uh, and yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, pretty, uh, the origin story goes that like Jake and AC were talking about doing a podcast and then they saw me in the same group chat just making random quips about Marvel. And they're like, mm. we think Jerome also is interested in Marvel. So <laughs> they asked it also was if I would like, like to do Yeah. We knew you were very funny and it's like. I think that, you know, we were like, we got to have a third person to be, and also because AC and I had been really, like, AC and I had only, like, spoken once at, sure, over of Zoom. Sure, yeah. Well, right. time. Anyway, uh, we've gone over the, I mean, I, we actually should do, what we should do, AC and I, is do a, a commission a comic book where it's an origin story. That's a dumb idea. But uh, that's when we <laughs> get big. Uh, that's 10,000 patrons. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter at the J Christie. Follow the show at MC University Pod, and we have a Patreon, which will be, you know, we're doing tons of stuff. We got the subscriber mailbag coming up. Uh, we're doing the movie Fast and Furious. We took a little break because of uh, paternity leave. And Fast Five, uh, you might recognize there's a guest that I already put on Ask For. I don't know if she remembers that I said she can be on Fast Five when we do it, but we'll be recording it next month. Uh, I don't know if you remember that you asked, you said you wanted to do it. I don't remember, but that's my favorite Fast and Furious I, movie, so I'm it doesn't surprise me. It's the best one. It it's is. the best it's one. I, some, I did Tokyo Drift, by argue, the way. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> one may argue I loved it, it is one of the be best <laughs> pieces of cinema of the 21st century. Agreed. Hard agreed. Uh, yeah. I have no, no argument. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in my if, famous- if five through seven was like a trilogy on itself, it would be one of the greatest trilogies. Correct. In, Although I would actually argue, I would say the top, the best three are, in my opinion, are five, seven, and nine. Those are the best of in my opinion. My opinion. Oh. Yeah. I would- Okay. I, yeah. Because okay. I think that nine is better than six, just because I think the emotional beats of nine really work for me. Which um, one? Where okay. Six, six. In London, it feels kind of. Prefer- oh. They really don't know what they're doing. It's one where Letty has amnesia. Yeah, yeah, I feel- yeah. No, I like yeah. six. I, don't, I, don't I like, like six. six. Yeah, I like basically all of them. I just, I, I uh, uh, but well, I like just- I think also for me, um, it's at its height when the like Vin Diesel and The Rock get along enough. I mean, that's why to five like make is movies the together. Best. Like yeah. five is the ideal Fast and the Furious. Five, movie. Yeah, Correct. five is well, like you could make the argument is the pinnacle of action studio cinema. You could make I wouldn't, but you could make the argument because you can't mm. you can't exactly say that action movies are better in 2012 to like now. You know, it's mm. a lot of stinkers. But I mean, like because anyway. I feel like you you'll have like people coming from the Mission Impossible. Yeah, I was about series. to say Mission Impossible. want to talk about it. I mean, yeah, Mission Impossible is a better franchise. So Mission Impossible, yeah, you're right. Also, the there's game. like an entire thing called John Wick. I understand that. I was that's why I should yeah. I, I should have said like big budget action because it's even though they're both action, yeah, I feel that's like they're very like, different worlds. Sure, sure. Yeah, but uh, the thing about me is because Donnie Yen has not this. been in Fast and Furious, but Donnie which Yen is bananas. Bananas. Oh like God. that's wild. You know this about me, Jerome. I like basically anything. You know, it's yes. like that's the reason I can watch so much dumb movies is because, like, the truth is, I like most of them. And so, um, actually, pretty yeah. like you did. You said, sorry, Jerome, you had to do Tokyo Drift. 
Don't apologize. The reason I got no. into that is the same reason I got onto the podcast in the first place. Jake saw me tweet. He searched yeah. Tokyo Drift no. amongst yeah. his people he follows, and he yeah. only got one tweet, and that was for me. No, it wasn't. Wait, no, gotta, no, no, no. I got more than one tweet. I, got more than, I, I, I was one of the multiple yeah. times about it. Uh, Correct. But yeah, that is. I, don't remember, <laughs> I definitely have. It might not have actually come to fruition, but I have booked other episodes doing that, where I look up people I follow, a search term to see what I know who tweeted about it. Oh goodness. <laughs> Uh, so it, it takes away the awkwardness of like Jerome. Do you like Tokyo Drift? When that's you tweet fair, it, references. No, that's, good. that's good. Also, as we <laughs> talked about in the pod, I can't be like, "Hey, Jerome, Jerome Chang. I know that you're not of Japanese descent, yeah, but do you like Tokyo Drift? Yeah, yeah. Do you like? Do you Yeah. Um. This happened. Uh. Yeah. I have multiple. I just searched my um. I uh, think like. Yeah. January 10th, which is that the time? I guess that would have been the time we were doing the pod. January 10th, uh, what year? Uh, this year. No we, no, uh, no, we did the pod in, I think, March. Because we started doing the oh. series in, uh, actually, maybe. Oh, no, no, Jan- January 12th. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So Uh-oh. January 10th okay, was, yeah. I watched it for that. Right. Um, yeah. What's a good, like, it, it was like one that's like, what's a good male acting performance where he isn't yelling? And then I just quote tweeted with Han <laughs> as an answer. Um, in 2019, I replied to Zach Harper, my shining achievement is upsetting my friend through yeah. Tokyo Drift, building up the Vin Diesel return, and when he shows up for half a minute at the end, I yelled, worth it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> See, that was the tweet. That Because I'm like, that means he's seen it multiple times, he has bits. Oh, yeah. 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 I think that's the so, one. I've only seen Tokyo Drift one time. I've only seen it twice for the pod in the first time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, and it's, I love Han. Han is the best Han thing that the happened best. to the. But the yeah, problem is, Han is not in it that much. Exactly. It's mostly Lucas exactly. Black. And it's Luke, mostly like, Lucas Black, who. Yikes. Who, and who, of course, became like big A list leading Drifted. star. Oh, wait, no, what was it? Drifted. He was third. He was third build on NCIS New Orleans. Wow. I, with that Listen, it's power, not his fault that Friday Night Lights is better as no. a TV show than it was as a movie. I know. Like, it's also, but it's not as, yeah, it, he's fine. Um, can't but, beat Jason Street. No, it's also, it's not his fault that. They it's also the only fast, fast and, and Furious with Zachary Ty Bryan. So, you know, like, how can it be oh a bad movie? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this has been. Now we're really off the rails, and that's why I love having Jerome on. And like I said, patreon.com, MC University Pod. Uh, you can get merchandise with our logo on it at Public. I always forget to promote that, but, uh, you know, it's a fun thing to do because we have a cool logo designed by Nick Velasquez. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I have another podcast mm. called Love It for a Psych, where me and Andre Brer talk about the show Psych, uh, and it's really casual, and if you think this is off the rails, this is where we start. Um, and yeah, uh, for Prejibber, for Jerome Chang, I've been Jay Christie. Shout out to AC. Uh, Karen for his children, being a dad. Talk to you next time.